Hi everybody and welcome to the latest episode of the NSL podcast. I hope everyone's well who's listening. My name's Stephen, the NSL, the host of the NSL podcast, joined by Francis and Ross. How are you both? Yeah, all good. Good, all good, Stephen. Good, happy after an away win, finally. An away win, exactly, man. And Francis, you're back, the deadly duo, plus another, yeah. plus another, nah, nah. stranger. Yeah. <laughs> Freeze a cloud, isn't it, Stephen? Freeze a cloud. Aye. Freeze a crowd, no lean, but sure, we'll, we'll, stick okay. him. We'll, stick, we'll stick Ross for this. <laughs> yeah, we, we put on, I, I can, we put I can leave now if these two are going to continue to flirt. <laughs> yeah. but look, so we've got awkward with Anthony on Monday as well, so probably. <laughs> Yeah, I know, I know. But here, as you said, Ross, we're just off the back of an away win at the Tawdry. I know we're on, we're on Thursday now, this podcast goes out on a Friday. But just come to yourself anyway, just to put, touch upon the win at the Tawdry. How are you feeling about it? Do you think it's going to be like a springboard for a season? Or is it something we kind of shouldn't get too excited about? Because, again, Postacoglu's alluded to the fact that this is going to be a season full of ups and downs and... The term black eyes have been used quite a lot. We're going to get a few of them as the season goes on. But what's your view and outlook after that game? Uh, I, I mean, it's similar to what you guys have sort of touched on in the last podcast. I'm not getting too far ahead of myself. It's, but, I mean, it's Pataudry. To go there at any time, in any sort of form, any Celtic team, to go there and win as a, as a good win, a good three points. And like we've said, uh, we, we showed that we can win ugly. Uh, so I, I'm not getting too far ahead of myself, but it, it was certainly a massive three points in the context of how our seasons went so far, and to sort of push us on. Well, certainly going to the international break with a bit more of a spring in your step than what it was the last one after the defeat at Ibrox. Yeah, it is. It's, it's crucial. The next game after the international breaks at Fair Park against Motherwell, so that's another tough game, uh, Franny, and it's one. That you hope over this international break that the key players like McGregor, Kyogo, they've just come back from injury and fingers crossed they don't get injured or anything while on international duty. But when you go back into these games against Motherwell Fair Park, Francis, it's important to be in the right mindset, especially as Ross alluded to the fact you don't want to get too carried away by yourself in terms of what they expect. But these are the games, as we discussed before, we need to win, aren't they? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like like Ross said, and we said, oh, they were not. We do think it could be a massive. It's only, it is only a massive factor if you go and go on a wee bit of run, and you go and beat Motherwell, and you go and win some of your your, your games on after that. So it becomes a massive game then, but it's it's got the monkey off the back. If you like the Aberdeen game, you can't. You know, nobody's going back to say, oh, well, it's since February and stuff. But so, but it will be key. Obviously, keeping some of the boys, well, ideally all the players away, not coming back injured or that. So that's it's like we said on Monday. It's, it's going with everything cross going into the next sort of ten days, if you like, with these international team, and hopefully you can get a full quota of players and guys like Yakamakis, Yota. Uh, I'm trying to think who else I'm not about McCarthy. I don't even know if he's still plays international football. I don't think he's been called up anyway. So it's. This 10 days to two weeks sort of will give them a chance to build on their fitness as well. So, yeah, it's it, a lot of it, like we said, t- depends on the international, international citizen away. If they come back fit, then you've got to be fairly confident going into the, the, uh, the Motherwell game, sorry. I mean, they say about McCarthy, it's a bit hard to believe he still plays football from what we've seen at Celtic. <laughs> no, I, know, yeah. I, know, I, know, I know, obviously, that's a bit harsh on the fella, but, I mean, it's just what we've seen. But one thing I've noticed... Especially, I mean, 
the bad run of games there in the away form was was horrendous, and that includes obviously European games and domestic games and that, Ross. But one thing I've noticed throughout the Celtic squad, the starting eleven team over the last couple of weeks, and without the likes of McGregor in it, Kyogo in it, and you, you look ahead to January, do you think it's important that we sign leaders, we sign experienced players to come in? Because the likes of Yada, Abada, I mean, they're young guys. David Turnbull's still playing his trade at Celtic, and he's only made 50-odd appearances, so he's quite young in his Celtic tenure. I know you've got the likes of Joe Hart, former England international, number one as well. He's come in, he's kind of steadied the back four, but do you not think it's important that Postacoglu kind of targets experienced players just to fill in the, the gaps in the squad? Uh, I'm not sh- I'm not sh- so sure if it's like has to be experienced players. Just certain types of players, uh, positions that we really need to fill. Like I touched on uh, the last time I was on the podcast, I, I think that a, a, a midfielder with a bit of steel is paramount. Um, whether he's experienced, it's I, I wouldn't say that's paramount. It's it, it would be nice. You do you, you like to have that bit of experience throughout the squad to complement the young guys. Um, I think it's notoriously difficult to get these guys in in January, but he, he has touched on that he's going to look at the Japanese market. We know nothing about that. He knows better than us. Um, but I it's, I would like to maybe get another striker, but again, I don't want to just sign guys for the sake of getting a body in. It's very difficult to maybe get the, that striker that's maybe going to not necessarily start all the time, but be certainly better than a Yeti. We, we don't know enough about the Greek boy yet, but uh, I, I think they're probably the two positions I would maybe look at. Maybe, um, I don't know, maybe a, a, a left a left back maybe, but again, it's 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 getting these guys in in that window. I think it's, it's always difficult to get the certainly guys that are maybe going to go into your first 11 because eh, generally they guys are already playing with their, their clubs their way eh, so I it's 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 not going to be easy to get these guys in but I'm going to put my trust in Postacoglu and if he's saying that they're they're making sort of strides at the moment eh, and looking at the January win, eh, the Japanese market for the January window eh, then hopefully to, to get things moving quicker, a lot quicker than what they did in the summer, like he's alluded to, then I'll, I'll trust him and hope that he's going to do that. And I, I think that he's fully aware, certainly more than any of us on this podcast, what he needs. Uh, and like I've said before, my, my, my trust is fully in him at the moment. Uh, and he's not giving me any reason not to trust him. So, yeah, we'll just... Uh, it's going to, like I've said, it's going to be difficult to get these guys in January, but I, I think he, he deserves beyond that anyway into the summer, into the following season, no matter, I was going to say no matter what happens this season, but I mean, you'd like to pick up at least one trophy. Obviously, you want that to be oh, the league. Oh, that's a bold statement, Ross. Oof, oof. But, but, I mean, you say you pick up one trophy, but is anything but the league a failure itself? Like, do you know what I mean? Uh, well, I of course, of, of course it is. Uh, well, a failure. Uh, you want to win the league, of course you do. But and I'm not giving them a. Uh, this season isn't a free pass by any means. But if I'm seeing enough on the park 
that the, the team's progressing and they're doing the right things. And I'm seeing it now, by the way, that I know there's mistakes being made, but it's very early. But I'm seeing it now, and I like... It's not like last season where, all right, we've, went, we've been on a bad run there, but it's not the same as last season where the, the team is... They heart, avoid the ideas. Everybody's pulling together. You know they are. There's no one player in that squad now, I would say, that doesn't want to be there. So you've got to take all these things into account. I still believe Celtic will win the league. and I've got to believe that, but but I do believe it. Uh, but if he doesn't win the league this season and he maybe picks up a Scottish Cup, say, for instance, I, I don't know. It's not what you want, but I, I would still... As long as I'm seeing the right things in the park, then I would still be quite happy to keep him on and let him keep working. Because if you get rid of him just because he didn't win the league, but they're playing well, then you're back to square one, back at the start of a rebuild. You're, the new manager comes in, he doesn't like the players that Postacoglu has brought in, he wants to get rid of some guys. Then he has to bring more of players that he wants in. It's just a vicious cycle. I think you just have to stick with it. And I think Postacoglu will come good. I think the biggest issue with that, though, is if we don't win the league, we're missing out on that £40 million of the Champions League money. And obviously, Aye. people can say, look, Celtic are a big club, kind of majority owned by Dermot Desmond, a billionaire, but we all know he doesn't fund Celtic. Celtic are a self-sufficient <laughs> club in terms of player sales, money to bring in from TV, Europa League, Champions League revenue. Do you not think... I'll come to yourself in a second, Francis, I haven't forgotten about it. <laughs> do you not think, think, Ross... That that's the major issue for Celtic supporters and obviously in terms of Postacoglu, no one's saying we want them away I mean we're all kind of buzzing after the Pataudry win and people I've seen on Twitter have been slagging off the, the manager for celebrating but come on we've seen other managers do the exact same thing for far lesser victories but do you not think that that's the biggest issue here if we, if we miss out on the £40 million that's us £40 million below our nearest rivals well I mean, first of all, to touch on um, celebrating, I think he's quite entitled to celebrate. His pressure's been on him a wee bit and he's finally got... I say finally. It's only three games in the league, really, but he's finally got that that away win. So he's, he's fully entitled to celebrate. Uh, but, uh, aye, you say Celtic will be £40 million behind Rangers if, if they win the league and we don't, which is not really accurate because Celtic are a, a far richer club than... Rangers, or so, so you would believe anyway. Um, I, I think, obviously, again, you, you don't want to lose out in that forty million. But if you do, I think we can still, like, in Rangers, get that forty million. I think we can still go into next summer and compete with them financially in the transfer market. I absolutely, do believe that. They're, I mean, I don't know their financial situation, but I would dare say it isn't great. I still believe that Celtic can compete with them if they don't get that forty million. Whereas if Celtic get that forty million, I think Rangers are really struggling to compete with us. But that said, of course you want to win the league and you want to get the forty million. You're not want to just say, "I okay, look, we can gee up the league this season." You'll be gutted. But that league's there to be won, and that can't be ignored. That that that's a fair enough point. I was just kind of coming back to what other people would say, but come to yourself, um, Francis. What's your opinion of what me and Ross are speaking about? There, obviously, you, you, the forty million bounty with the Champions League, plus you've got the added revenue with kind of sold out Parkhead, all that kind of stuff. Do you not think? For me, anyway, I have to admit, if we don't win the league, for me, it's a big, big failure. 
and I get the whole thing of picking up a trophy. That doesn't cut it for me. The trophies are like desserts. The the the, the Premier League's the, the main course. What comes after is the dessert, really. The bread and butter, as people call it, is the Scottish Premier League. What What's your opinion? I mean, yeah, you're right in what you say, Stephen. Like the, the main goal in, for any team in any league is should be to win that league. And I think one of the big issues probably for us as fans is the fact that we know the winner of the league this season goes straight into the Champions League. Then you've got, at minimum, I think it's like the 40 million. You've obviously got your tickets on top of that and all the, the mad bonuses that go with just appearances and stuff. So I think that's maybe a problem for a lot of Celtic fans when it comes to what would be deemed as a success or not. Any other season where you're not guaranteed Champions League football, I'm not saying not winning the league would be deemed as a successful season because that would just be ludicrous for a team Celtic to suggest that as a, like as a fan. Cause like it goes back to old cliche, it's like second in Glasgow's last at the end of the day. So I think where Postacoglu's problem is, now I don't think it's Personally, for me, I, I, I'm in agreement with Ross. You've got to give them, providing obviously, like at least you assess it obviously at the end of the season, providing it's not being a, a horror show, you've got to give the guy another fresh, it's not a fresh start, but give him another goal for the following season. But I think, like, what's got to be the issue is this £40 million carrot, really. I feel like it's that is the big sort of elephant in the room, I feel like, because the winners of that get that money. So, like I say, any other season would you weren't guaranteed that money, I think the pressure maybe wouldn't be on to Postacoglu as much or maybe fans would cut him a wee bit more slack. So I th- I think that has got to be a big uh, as a big issue for some fans is the fact that they're they're looking short sided this Champions League money. This is not it's cause it's there obviously you'll be able to attract or you would like to believe you could attract a better level of players obviously due to the finances, but then you can actually offer them Champions League football. So there is massive, massive, massive pluses to winning the league this season. But yeah, providing, like I'm, I'm with Ross, providing there is obvious signs of like progression and stuff and you can you can see what's happening. Obviously, you don't lose the league like you lost it last season. I think you've got to stick with Postal because... Like Ross said it right, it's if you bring in more players in January, which like as we all know it's hard to do and Celtic never seem to do anything brilliant in January until the last day they bring in a couple of loans and it like someone's really been Craig Bellamy and Robbie Keane of note that we've really had a great transfer window in January, I think, and again it was loan deals at the end of it. So it is going to be hard to get folk in January. But uh, it's, I I I just keep you keep going back to that 40 million. That I think that is the bigger issue, just simply because you know what you can get at the end of the season, and that's what's could be a big problem. But I don't see why, if if you run worst case scenario, you run Rangers close and you don't actually get over the line and win the league, but you're only maybe finishing three, four points behind them. Like you can't be getting rid of Postecoglou for that. You've got to give him another crack at it and say, well, get my more players running that, but. I feel like I've rabbed on about it. I don't know, but I, no, no, what I mean is, no. it's like no, no. I just, uh, I, I, I would provide there is like progression. You've got to stick with the guy, and I, I think that is just simply the, the major issue is this forty million pound at the end of the season for the winner is the big problem. Yeah. I think right now. 
it is looking at that and he might get judged on that unfortunately it is the major issue for the simple mm-hmm. reason as you said the finances because we've lost money in our previous financials obviously yeah but that the, was... to my knowledge the Edward and Iron money and that's not yeah. been classed, like, classed in that yeah like, that's correct but an, an, another thing you mentioned there Finneyson second and Glasgow's last and that's very very true but according to Ian Banger Finneyson second is an operational highlight that he put on the <laughs> Put on the sheet, and it's oh, like, what, do you know what I mean? How out of touch is this board? But I'll come to yourself, Ross. Here, I mean, Francis, you made some great points, and one thing I want to come back to with you, Ross, is Francis said there if Postecoglou finishes three or four points behind Rangers in the league, obviously not to get rid of him. I mean, for me, I'm kind of a more of uh, not a hard liner, but I would be. I don't think this Rangers team's great. I never thought they've been great. I think it's Celtic's fault that. They won the league last year after the atrocious season we had with Lennon in charge. This season, obviously, is a transition. That word has been banded around so many times. But we should be good enough to win this league title. And for me, if we finish three or four points behind, I deem that a failure. And I deem that a failing on the Celtic board for the lack of preparation, for kind of just pissing about with this whole Eddie Howe scenario. I know that word's coming back up again. But do you think if it ends that way, the blame lays on the the board instead of Postecoglou. Um, I well again, you go back to it. it depends what you're what you're seeing on the park. If if the remainder of the season goes with what we were maybe say seeing on the park, uh, when we were when we had like Kyogo and that before he got injured and stuff, the games if 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 that's the remainder of the season, then and we lose the league. To be honest with you, if that's the remainder of the season we lose the league, I'd be very surprised because but we went through that bad run of results and we didn't have Kyogo, we didn't have McGregor. Eh, kind of mind off the top of my head who else, but I mean we were oh, yeah. playing with a Yeti up front and it totally took away from entirely what the team has been set out beforehand to play like. Um, but to go back to your question, eh, if they lose it by three or four points, of course it's a failure. <laughs> you want to win, you want to win the league, of course you do. It's a failure on the board's part, like you've said, but it's very hard to say whether it would be a failure on Postecoglou's because you've not actually seen the way the teams performed throughout the season to give a, a fair opinion on that right now. I would say. Um, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's a difficult question to answer uh, when you've not seen how the team have performed. Uh, it's, you've not got the benefit of hindsight, if you like. Well, I'll tell you what I've done. I've simmed the whole season of Football Manager and it didn't end well. No, only joking. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get to the bookies and make some coin out of it then. <laughs> no, but I mean, obviously I get what you guys are saying. I'm just talking in a hypothetical sense yeah. if it ends like that, Ross. And the way I'm looking at it is, like, obviously... We're talking about the board and the kind of feel that they have field. Let's be honest. Ian Banker putting that on the sheet saying second, finishing second is an operational highlight. It's an absolute disgrace, yeah. Francis. And I think to myself, when you look at Dominic Mackay, he was kind of, he was Hans, Hans, Hans Postecoglou was his man. And that fan press conference, we were led to believe it was all roses in the garden. And what was it, a matter of five or six weeks later, Dominic McCord, Dominic McCord, Dominic Mackay's running uh-huh. the door. Do you not think there's still major concerns? In boredom now for Celtic because this restructuring, if we're led to believe, was meant to happen, hasn't happened. 
for the only sort of re, uh, uh, restructure we've had is I think we've brought in, we're not bringing something like a head of sports science or something like a guy for Spurs, but that's yeah. that's about it, Stephen. Like you say, you've lost the main guy in Dominic Mackay. We've obviously got to be careful. We still we still don't know the true reason. We we won't ever find the true reason. I don't believe, but on the face of it, what you see, it's it doesn't look good when the new CEO is out the door in what was it seventy two days. It just yeah, it's up above. It doesn't it doesn't look well. It isn't good, and. There just doesn't seem any signs of it getting any better. It, this Nicholson, boy Nicholson, seems to have been put in place. Someone else has taken over his job, so, and he was put in as a, like an acting CEO, a temporary CEO, but then they filled up his position below it. So was that the whole temporary CEO just a wee, a wee ploy in, in the hope that results went our way, which they, they kind of haven't, but I, I don't feel us as fans have really been on the board for that and to say look what's like what is the deal with the CEO what is how we get is it is it got to be the boy Nicholson or are we actually going to get a new one I'm not expecting Dom McKay to be out the door then a new guy to be in a couple of days later but there doesn't seem to be any communication we're doing interviews so yeah, we've been saying it for god we said it a lot last year and we'll probably continue saying it for a wee while but the board is so out of touch you do need a total revamp, but you kind of just chuck all these boys out and just expect to bring new ones in, but you want to at least see the wheels in motion, I feel like guys coming in and stuff. So, yeah, it's as major restructuring, Stephen, it's, it's a slower process and our transfer window seems to be. Yeah, I mean, I like that phrase you coined there by saying wheels in motion, Ross, and, uh, and it's yeah. like, you, you, you look at it and you're going to yourself, why is Postacoglu not been afforded the chance to bring in at least one kind of guy you can trust, one kind of guy you can bounce ideas off? Because I'm pretty sure John Kennedy and, and uh, Gavin Strachan, they aren't really doing much for him. They're maybe putting on a wee session here or there, but he's the main guy in that, that whole operation. Do you not think, obviously, the likes of Eddie Howe, led to believe, was given the choice of bringing in a whole squad of staff? Do you think that should be afforded to Postacoglu as well? Especially, as Francis said there, the restructuring needs to happen. And that kind of clicks in with the football side of things. And every kind of major club in the world has a sporting director, technical director, however, however you want to phrase it. And it seems like to me the Celtic board has kind of shied away from it for years. Dominic Mackay seems to be progressive and moving forward. But is it the case that they didn't like the direction and they just kind of went to him, look, we have to bid this. We're just going to stick with the status quo. Right. I mean, I don't really know what your question is there. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is basically, is it important to give Postacoglu the chance to build from the top to the bottom? Of course it is. Uh, I, I I don't understand why he hasn't been in, been afforded uh, to to bring in his own guys. Uh, I, I mean, I can't think off the top of my head about many managers coming into clubs. Certainly, the amount of times in the last few while at Celtic, the last few different managers, like, they come in and they don't bring their own guys in, like Neil Lennon comes in and he doesn't bring any of his own guys in, Postacoglu hasn't done it and they're still moseying along with Strachan and Kennedy, it's, it's really baffling uh, and the the Mackay situation is, again, baffling it's it's just synonymous with Celtic at the minute, like, you just, just when you think things are looking up and 
he's going to be bringing a bit of change to the board and we're going to be modernising and all the rest of it and then bang, he's away. Something's, something's happened in there. He's obviously been too forward thinking and too, like, sort of fresh ideas. And it seems to me, I mean, again, you're only going with conjecture, but it seems to me like that he's... <laughs> there, it's back. It's back. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, I, I don't know, it, it's... It's like he's been too forward thinking. They've thought, oh, wait a minute. He's spending too much money here. and This is not how we do it. And just basically got him out the door. Eh, or done enough to pee him off, to make him walk. Uh, I, I just don't know what's happening at board level with Celtic right now. And to be honest with you, I'm not an expert on that side of things. I'm not. A, some would say I'm not an expert on the side, <laughs> football side of things either. But, <laughs> um, I am not an expert on that side of things, uh, but it's it just something just no sitting well with all the Celtic fans at the minute for the board. And I just thought something's got to give, uh, something's got to change because the things, all the things they're doing now are just no working or I don't know, but. The only thing you will, I was going to say the only thing you could say is like, they have to an extent backed Postacoglu uh, in the summer there. Whether all the signings he brought in have been his choice, we don't know. But they seem to, the, the, the squad has had a, a bit of an overhaul. Like I know there's been a lot of guys left, but there's been a lot of guys come in. Uh, so, I don't know, time will tell. But this border at, at the minute, it's, it's not it's not how you want it to be, but that said, if Celtic go and win the league this season, we'll probably be all forgot about it and everyone will be rosy mm. in the garden again because we're, we're all, and I'm guilty of it myself, we're all so fickle. We, mm. we know that. Every football fan knows how fickle they are. But, I don't know. It's, like, I want to go back to, sorry, I want to go back to what you were talking about with the three or four points as well, like if we lose the league. <laughs> like, no, just because I just thought of something like, see, like, say, like the Martin O'Neill team that lost the league on the last day, like, nobody oh. wanted, to, I know he, he left at the end of that season, but nobody would have wanted him sacked or out the door, do you know what I mean? Uh, even though he lost the league to Rangers, so, I like, they, they performed well that season, so I, that's how I look at it with Postacoglu, if they perform well, they can lose the league to Rangers. There's no much between the teams. So I, I know the two the Celtic Rangers teams we're talking about at the Martin O'Neill era were a lot better than these two teams, you have to say. But the the sort of distance between the two teams and the two Celtic Rangers now are pretty similar. So I think you, you can lose the league to Rangers. And I agree with you, Rangers aren't a great team, but right now, neither are we. So... Uh, I'm, I'm sort of talking in riddles here, but <laughs> uh-huh. I love it. I love uh, a good riddle. I love a good riddle. <laughs> Do you know something, Ross? I was sitting the other night and I got a text on my phone and looked at it, and it said, "I still think Barca should be Celtic's number one." There was some are we mate Francis? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's the headphones off. Season man. <laughs> no, but right, you were speaking there obviously about money, spend the money, the board's back them. I want to bring it a wee bit. This is going to be a bit of a side topic here. <laughs> We've been on loads of side topics in this episode, <laughs> but look at the landscape. Many Celtic fans would love 
to be took over by a multinational corporation with loads of money. Many Celtic fans would love to stay local, be bought by a Scottish businessman, that kind of thing. Keep it local, keep it within Celtic and things like that. I want to talk to you guys about this Newcastle takeover, which has been confirmed today. Obviously, they've been bought over by a Saudi Arabian cor- uh, corporation. They're now, by de facto, the richest club in the world, dwarfing the likes of PSG and Manchester City in terms of how much billions are in the bank. But coming to yourself, Francis, about this now, me, myself, I've personally thought and wondered what it would be like if Celtic got bought, bought over by some billionaire. Yes, we've got Dermot Desmond, but let's be honest, he's not really flashy with his money when it comes to Celtic. Would that be something that you would like? Would you like that kind of investment? Would you like a corporation to buy over Celtic? Or do you think, because you, you hear a lot of fans speak about this in terms of the identity of a football club, do you think that would get lost really quickly if that happened? Definitely would get lost, Stephen. It would, but I like. I would love to take the moral high ground in this and say, I would. I, I don't want it to happen considering what Celtic was founded upon, what it was all about, and the whole ethos of the club. I would love to put my hand on heart and say I would never want us to get bought over by one of these stupid, stupid rich folk and just go mental. But I would love it. I'd absolutely love it. But what I will say is it's all wrong for football. It's like the, it's never going to happen, the Scottish game, because the, the sponsorship and the money is just not there. Like if that happened to Celtic Rangers, like a guy that with that wealth came in, it would it would ruin Scottish football because you don't know what, you just win the league every season. Well, you do want to win the league every season, <laughs> but it would, it would, like, there's no competition. There is if only one, one guy's coming in. But a lot of these, it'd be interesting to hear a lot of these Celtic fans if, that ever came about if this guy came if someday came in and done that. But as for the Newcastle one, it I mean, when you've got countries like actual states buying football club, it's it's all wrong. It's all wrong. And I mean, ever since the sort of premiership when football was invented in what was it, ninety ninety two or something? That's when apparently football was invented when <laughs> the English premiership started and stuff. It's just the money that Sky has pummeled into that. It's just it's it's killing football. But it goes back to it, Ross. We're all fickle. Like, how many has watched Premiership games? We probably all watch plenty of them. We love it. They've, they generally have a lot of the best players in world football. They're probably the best managers. So, it, it's got its pluses, but it's all it's all founded on everything that's wrong. I mean, if you just want to consider the the Newcastle one, like Saudi Arabia, I think they're all political. It's like the human rights issues over there. Like, you're actually like it's you get. Done it. You get stoned and stuff just if you actually like due to your sexual orientation and stuff. If you're if you're gay and that, like you, you get killed and that. It's like it's it's just mental. It's to be associated. But as I say, I'd be I'd be a liar if I said I would. I'd be raging if it happened at Celtic. I, I probably wouldn't, Stephen. I would I would love it. So it's yeah, I think... it's a weird one. It's it's easy for me to criticise it because it's not happening at Celtic. Yeah, I mean, I think you make a great point. Obviously. The likes of countries buying clubs, the likes of human rights issues that are involved, every other issue within countries, because obviously different countries live their lives in different ways yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But co- come with it yourself, Ross. I mean, Francis points to this Newcastle model, and you, you look at PSG, they're owned by, I think, Qatar or something yeah. to do with people high up in Qatar. I think it's actually the country. <laughs> yeah. And then <laughs> Manchester City are owned by a Saudi Arabian prince, probably linked to the, the guy who's bought um, Newcastle. Don't know, but it, it probably will come out soon. But I mean, 
you, you look at it and it's like these clubs are getting major investment. And as as Francis said, the the money Sky's pumping into the Premier League alone is actually disgusting. It's like six billion pounds for a TV deal. That is absolutely crazy. But at the end of the day, if we're honest, if someone came to Celtic and knocked the front door and was like, "I'll give you ten billion pounds," you'd be like, "Come on in, I'll make you a cup of tea." Hi, <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course you would. I, I'm in like fully agreement with with Franny and you're still like. You, 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 that can't be sniffed at. Do you know what I mean? And like, you, if Celtic are going to, if they were getting that money and they were getting like winning a Champions League, you would lap it up. You absolutely would, mm-hmm. and you would be laughing at Rangers over the across the city, like watching us doing all this. But at the same time, you would be lapping that up. But for me, in the back of my mind, there'd be that wee seed where it would be like, this is slightly diluted because. We've done it on a level playing field, like a lot of teams are doing. I, I just, it's this Newcastle takeover is almost the final straw for me. I, I, when I heard it the day, I was like, for F's sake, like this, it's, it's just, it's I just rubbish, Newcastle. man. It's, I, but it's like, you're sitting there and you're going to be watching, for, I mean, just imagine this, right? Newcastle United versus Man City in the Champions League final. Oh. Just absolute let that plastic, sink in. Absolute plastic clubs, man. Teams like AC Milan, like they're abs- back in the Champions League, but they're no, they're no the the force they were, and it kills me that young guys, like guys at 20, 21 we're talking about here, maybe maybe no as old as that. But well, aye, possibly. Mm. They don't know the the force that that club was or how big a club they were. It's it's depressing, and you you're going to well, Man City are doing it now. Even Chelsea, to an extent, they're a bigger club than Man City. Absolutely no doubt about it. But Chelsea weren't going to win a, a European Cup or a Champions League if they didn't get that money. It's it's just so diluted, and I just think that Celtic are. I'd like to think Celtic are a respected club around the world uh, and I think that if they got that money and done something similar to like Man City or whatever uh, I, I think that a bit of respect would be lost but that said you'd be lapping it up winning all these trophies and beating pretty much beating Rangers all the time but uh, it's just it's killing football, like Franny says, and it's it's slightly it would be slightly diluted for me if we did do something like that. I mean, I want to kind of turn that around. Obviously, them clubs, Man- Manchester City, have done well in their communities. They've built like training hubs, oh, houses, hundred percent, yeah, things like that. So obviously, there is stuff that comes with that kind of major investment. And one kind of model that's well renowned, obviously, is the Leicester City model. Obviously, God bless the owner mm-hmm. who sadly passed away in that crash and stuff, but. That's a family-run club, you can tell that, but they're, the people who run it are billionaires, Francis. Do you think if, if it was something like that, it'd be more welcome? Obviously, you see Leicester spending around 20 to £30 million on players, never really touching that 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 million bar, but do you think that would be more acceptable if it kind of stayed in the roots of the club, as you said, the way Celtic were founded? Yeah, I think it would be a hard sort of a thing to do. I think it's like Leicester seem to have got it got it down to a T, but at the same when we're talking about stats as a club, I know Leicester won the premiership, but like again Leicester aren't necessarily a massive club and 
they can like they're buying guys at like you say 20 30 million i think even telemans was about 40 i know they don't do that in the regular but they they do seem to have got it right the owners they don't get too involved i mean, I mean fairness to man city they they don't really what is it 67 months well it's now Grealish sorry so they have actually just went so I'll just shut up they've just, <laughs> they've just went and but I mean before Grealish they were doing it all right I mean they were spending 60 million but they refused to kind of go to big big fees but yeah the, Le- the Leicester model seems a good way and if you could get that I maybe would be the ideal situation because you're never got to when you're going to be getting that sort of investment you're never got to make everybody happy like Ross said but that wee bit in the back of your head gone it's it's not totally fair and then you would get the sort of uh, some sector of the fans that are trying to act like they're not happy about it saying ah it's not no it's not what it's found on but as I say Stephen I would I would probably be lapping it up whatever model we got if if such an such a situation arose. Yeah I mean it's been talked about for a while and as I said that the you guys there it's something that I thought about and Ross made, made a great point in terms of why the band these clubs me personally, Celtic are bigger than Newcastle, Leicester, Chelsea, it's league. all of them. It's the league, isn't it? Yeah, it's the league. Yeah, it's the league. If, if you flip it to the fact that just say a guy came with major investment, Ross, and it's billions of pounds, he's going to have influence and that in regards to TV and even the fact that we could be pulled down to England and play there at some point. Money talks in the game. It's a money ball game now. It's not. It's. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's. It's not friends doing favors now. It's. It's money. You give them the money and it's done. Do you think if major investment ever came to Scottish football, the likes of the Bundesliga have had it, that would be a great benefit because it, what it would bring to other clubs in terms of investment as well, potentially? Aye, I would love that. That, that would be... I, I would I guess I would probably prefer that more than like a, a an oil-rich guy taking over Celtic. Mm-hmm. Uh, possibly would. Uh, because I, 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 like this, I like the league we play in it's exciting it's fast paced uh, it's just maybe no quite got the quality uh, the top leagues but it's an enjoyable league to watch most of the games are, are exciting games and they're competitive so to, to have a investment into your game would be welcomed absolutely welcomed and it would also help teams like Hibs and Aberdeen I'm not saying Hearts uh, to do <laughs> well in Europe uh, and progress in Europe as well. So I, I would obviously uh, uh, that could only benefit the league, and it, uh, I would I would lap that up. I would and I would want that more than an oil rich guy plummeting millions into us billions. Yeah, I think as as well. I, m- I remember in school, especially over here in Belfast, I used to get the shit to go to me for supporting Celtic. Like why why what's them the public? And even though they all knew that yeah. Celtic are a big club, it was always a pub league, it's a shit league, it's a one-team league, blah, 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 Francis. But Ross makes a great point. The Scottish Premier League, I watch the highlights, I watch sportsing. I very, very, very rarely watch an English Premier League game because I find them boring. I do honestly find them so just medium. And there's very, the odd game, obviously, that's good in every sort of league. But I think our game's fast-paced. And as, as Ross said, maybe not the quality as these world-class players have. But if someone came in and invested into the league, I think your man Doncaster, he's undervalued the Scottish League absolutely disgustingly. A TV deal worth £25 million spread across five years, spread across the member clubs, is disgusting. I think guys need to come in and take us forward as a league. 
all together. I don't, I don't care. I mean, there's potential there to do do that, surely, isn't there? Yeah, there's definitely potential to get a better deal than we currently have. And I think you should always be trying to aim bigger. Like, I know Neil Doncaster sells it as the biggest deal ever. I mean, it might be the biggest deal ever, but it doesn't make it a great deal, just be being the biggest deal ever. But yeah, I think like the model you touched on there, if you could somehow get major investment in the league and where it obviously benefits every club, that that's obviously better than, like say, one one guy just buying a club and it going mental. So uh, if we could get that sort of model, in, I would I would really like that. And that, yeah, I think guys within the SFA, they really need to have a good look at themselves and really do need to advertise your league better because. Like you say, it is, it, it's not got the quality, but you've only got to get that quality, unfortunately, if you bring more money into the league and your teams like your Aberdeens, who are a big club, your Hibs, I'll say, I'll say Hearts, these teams can <laughs> these teams can then maybe spend a wee bit more and you just need to do that though, speculate to accumulate. If you've got more money, you can buy a better quality player and stuff. So And it then brings the quality up. It's not got to be five, ten years, it might be a, a 20 year project, you've got to kind of where we are, maybe look look far ahead like, because, like used to I, I love the Scottish League, I love it but a lot of that is obviously because I've grew up watching it and then I do agree some of the English games are boring but that's probably because I'm not an, I'm not necessarily a fan, an English person who's a fan of that league, it's you kind of, you want to support your own league so I would rather, I would rather obviously as try to model the Scottish League better and sell it better to sponsors and get more money throughout the game within yeah. Scotland before I, it, I want somebody coming and buying my club. I think it's quite telling as well. Like nations like Belgium are over fifty million pounds their TV deal. Holland mm. over a hundred million pounds. Norway, I think, are getting more than us, and it, it's just it's madness. But what I will say to you guys is this show quite, took quite a turn, didn't it? <laughs> 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 I, I didn't see, see that one coming. I know. Good old Newcastle, <laughs> But we'll bring it back to the Celtic related matters in terms of on the field. And we touched upon their the international break coming up. And you've got the likes of Leo Abada, Turnbull, Beaton, Starfelt, Kyogo for Ahashi, Ayadi and all's away, Cal McGregor too. Come to yourself, Ross. The guys like Yada, Abada and Kyogo, I mean, especially Yada, they've been a breath of fresh air and Speaking about Yada as well, do you think Celtic should just pay the six point five million Benfica want? Aye, I think uh, like I touched on, he's 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 a Celtic player, uh, and he, he gets bums off seats. I, I I really hope that they're. I mean, aye, I hope they're. I hope they're trying to get him. You now I hope they're making moves to do that because he's he's exciting. He's direct. He he knows where the goal is, and uh, he's he's. Got some good bits of skill and stuff. He really can turn the defender inside out. Uh, he's he's a player that I would love to see in the Celtic team beyond this season. Absolutely. What about the likes of Abada and Kyogo? Do you think they're vital going forward as well? Aye, I mean Kyogo is absolutely like he he makes us he makes us tick. He's paramount to how we want to play. He needs to be in the Celtic team. I think that's been proved over the last number of weeks when he was out, that like he, he just needs to be there. And he, he, he's no fully up to speed yet, by the way. I, I reckon he's been playing at maybe 70-80% the last couple of games. And he's still brought a different 
or a better dimension to the team than or dy- dynamic, sorry, to the team than um what a yeti gives you. Uh, so he, I I think he's paramount to the way we want to play. Abada, I think uh, he he started off amazing, uh, and then he, he kind of tailed off a wee bit. He's picked, he's I, I still I, I like him a lot, uh, but he is only nineteen, and I have to say that out of everyone that's came back or still coming back, the one I'm most excited about is James Forrest. I think because there's a lot of weight on Abada's shoulders at the minute. He's the only sort of option out there in the right uh, most of the time. Uh, so James Forrest coming in, I think once he's fully fit, I, I think he probably comes in before Abada. Uh, but that said, you can you can swap them about and it, it's, it gives you great options for the bench. Uh, gives you competition for Forrest as Aye. well. Well, I mean... And the last time he well. had competition with Roberts, I just I I was just getting ready to say that, I. Was just like full flow there, and then you and just that me. Slight tackle for the back. <laughs> Put a bullet uh, off and I'll get away with it. But I just what basically what Franny said there. I think with that competition, it, it just pushes Forrest on, and a bad to learn a, a hell of a lot mm-hmm. for Forrest. Uh, he's probably learning for them now because Forrest is going to be in and around the the ground and stuff, I would guess. But uh, uh, he's the one I'm most looking forward to coming back. Uh, so I, they three are very, they're probably, uh, they look the, the best signings that we've made so far. And I think uh, with more games and more uh, time under Postacoglu, I think it'll start drumming into them. It's starting to drum into them now. You can, you just tell they, they play with high energy like he's like he wants and they on the most part they, they don't stop the whole game. Uh, certainly well, I was gonna say certainly uh, Jota and Abada, but you have got to bring Kyle Cohen into that. He he's he just doesn't stop ever. I think he's still running. I think he runs to the fridge for to make a cup of tea and all that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm glad you brought up the whole Abada issue. In terms of Forrest coming back, obviously it will be major competition. But the one thing I do agree with you, Ross, he started off amazingly well, but he's tailed off. But albeit he's still scoring the all goal here and there, Francis. And do you think when Forrest comes back, it's a matter of Forrest coming straight back into the team and then playing the competition in terms of rotation? Because my slight concern is about Abada. Watching him at um at Ibrox, he does seem like he was out of his depth and a few other games since that the European game against Leverkusen. He tries, and don't get me wrong, he tries, but he's still not quite at that level yet. He will reach it. I'm, I'm pretty sure he will reach that level, but Forrest coming back must be the guy who's going to take that jersey. Or do you think it's still a bad as to lose? Well, th- I think if you've got to go in form, you've got to say it's a bad as to lose. But then when you consider who you're competing against in James Forrest, who what, he's on 99 goals and 99 assists or something, it's, mm-hmm. it's I think you've got to say... For me, I would bring Forrest in, and like we just touched on, uh, like that was when Roberts was in and playing brilliant. That was when we got the best out of Forrest. Or won it. It was some of Forrest's best performances, is because he had somebody driving him on, and it potentially drive a bad on. It's a good good mentor because what is Forrest is thirty one now. I know it maybe doesn't seem it, but he's a fair age, and like you said, a lot of bad has started great. He's tailed off, but his numbers are still really good for a guy that's just came into this country. 
and had a bit of, bit of responsibility put on his shoulder because he's probably played more than Postacoglu intended to play him. I know he came in for a relative high fee, but he's probably played more than Postacoglu was brought to play him. But yeah, I would definitely, once Forrest is back and properly fat, I would, I would have him in, providing he's obviously performing the part, which I, I don't doubt he will. But I would, I would have Forrest in a, before him just... It's a wee bit more experience, if you like, uh, the league, knowing how to win things and stuff, and it's got that winning mentality. And defensively, because, like we've said, Abada and Kyogo's probably downfall is going back the way. They're not really grasping. Mm-hmm. Well, not not it's not that they're not grasping, it's just it's maybe not their, their game to go back the way, whereas Forrest has got that in them to go to, to cover back way because we play these sort of uh, inverted fullbacks and it leaves a bit of space. So I think for these sort of reasons as well, I think Forrest would come back in. Yeah. I mean, it took Forrest a couple of years as well. They first broke in to kind yeah. of their, their like attack back set of things. What is, Abada's 19, 20 year old and that yeah. he says he's got to have these kind of indifferent performances. He's still got to kind of, you'd imagine he's still got to kind of build up as a, a person like physically and stuff, like he's bulking mm. stuff and that. So... Yeah, and obviously if you're going off the, the midfield, Postacoglu chosen the last game against Aberdeen, beat Tom McGregor and Turnbull. Ross and get into Fair Park, another fight away game after the international break. Obviously, I, can't, I think he's figured out now that Turnbull and Rodgers can't really star in the same team, especially from the kickoff. Who would you go with, personally, in um, the, the Motherwell game? Would you go with Rodgers or Turnbull? I would... I would go with, in the away games, I would go with Turnbull. Eh, and Rogic is that player that can come on and change a game in an instant. Eh, but at Parkhead, I would probably maybe air towards Rogic more because I, I know when we're away from home, we'll probably have a lot of the ball still, but we'll certainly have a lot more of the ball when we're at eh, home. And I think Rogic is he's most effective when he's playing at Parkhead and we're in full flow eh, on toppy teams. Uh, so I I would probably I would probably tend I mean I wouldn't I'm not saying I would do it all the time but I would probably tend to go with Turnbull in uh, the the away games I think he's a bit slightly more pragmatic than Rogic uh, but I, I certainly going forward I think we need somebody like Beaton in that midfield three because uh, it's just been too just too gung ho and I I know like he's brought. He's brought, uh, what do you call him, Beaton in for that last game. And people say, oh, he's he's changed his tactics. He, he's not actually changed his tactics. He's still playing the same formation in that. But he has just, it's just somebody to pr- protect that defence and let guys like Turnbull uh, and McGregor just sort of do their thing a wee bit further up the park, knowing that they've got that sort of safety net, if you like, a Beaton, sort of try to clear up behind them. Um, so I, I I like that balance uh, in the midfield with Rogic in there. Whether that'll be a McCarthy, uh, time will tell. But for me right now, I think it's fair to say that he's he's not shown anything that he should be in the team before Rog uh, beat on. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know what the, the script does with McCarthy. He's, he doesn't seem to have played well for a number of years and we like, just bring him in I, I just find it weird 
it was a weird, weird signing for me. I said it at the mm-hmm. time, and then I got a bit excited because of the name, and sort of got on board. And I've just went back to what what I initially thought. I, I just don't know why he's why we signed him or why he's there because he's evidently not going to be fit all the time. Whatever injuries he's had, it's obviously it's not his fault. It's his body failing him. He's been a good player in the past, but for me. <sighs> That was just it was just a weird signing. I don't think maybe Postacoglu is okay, that, but I don't think it was his choice. Uh, or maybe uh, or maybe Dermot got bored and picked up the phone. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's just, it's about, just a funny signing, really. Is it is? I think it's a shambles of a signing, especially a four-year deal at thirty-one years old. It's an absolute joke, to be honest. He, he must be. The happiest, the happiest guy in the world, especially getting the wages he'd be on as well, coming from the Premier League. But coming to yourself, I hope he Francis, proves wrong though. Oh, yeah, oh, man. don't get me wrong. I hope he proves us wrong. But at the moment, my, my whole landscape of him is he, he's terrible in a Celtic shirt. Aye. Albeit, Bizarre. albeit was, albeit we've seen fits and starts of him. But from what I've seen, that's my judgment so far. But I do hope before anyone jumps me back that he proves us wrong. But coming to yourself, I'm Francis. The midfield scenario. We just start with Rodgers or Turnbull at Fair Park. And the Beton thing as well. I think Ross makes a great point. It adds a wee bit more balance in there, a wee bit more protection. Yeah, I think Beton has has to start in there just as we spoke about it in uh, our last podcast there. It was it never really done much wrong in terms of like putting us in ball or anything like that. They lost I think it was him that lost the header the header that led to the goal. But I you can it wasn't a glaring mistake or anything like that. I don't remember him making any mistakes and like Ross said as well, it does put the balance into the midfield. But I would probably start Tumble. I, I really like him as a player and like I said in the Tuesday's podcast as well, t- uh, I feel Tumble needs time to get into a game. Whereas Rogic, if you're really looking for that goal, looking for that piece of magic, Rogic can just do that. So like away from home and stuff if you're needing just that guy to make that killer pass. Rogic has got that in his locker. He just needs, he needs to ball that one time sometimes to do it. So for me, I would start Tumble because I just, I would, I would even start him in the home games because I believe he's that he's a really good player in the making. He's got the potential to be a really top top player. I, I think he needs to work on his fitness and stuff. He, he seems to fade out a game like he, he's a bit like, bit like Rogic where he just, he looks like he's. He struggles once it gets to 65, 70 minutes. It looks like he's he hasn't got the energy. And also, he's sort of fit. pace. I don't think Turnbull's got blessed with pace. I think he could be doing we try to work on that to try and give him a wee bit of pace, maybe over the first five, ten yards. Basically, you can't just suddenly get pace for nowhere. <laughs> but for me, for me, I would start. I would, I, going forward, I would definitely be beat on probably up until January to see if you can get anybody in. As I said on Tuesday, probably if McCarthy proves his fitness, I would be more than happy with McCarthy in there instead of Beaton because I feel he's a better. What I've what I've seen of him, not not in a Celtic jersey anyway, but what I've seen of McCarthy as a player, he's a he's a far better player than Beaton, and would be a far better player in there than Beaton. But what we've seen, and you you can't say that you could trust playing McCarthy there week in week out. But I would definitely play Tumble more often than not, regardless of being home and away. Well, look, guys, that brings us to the end of the show. And usually we do a score prediction for the upcoming game. But as it's International Week, we're going to still keep with that tradition. But we'll turn our attention to the Scotland and Israel game, a final game 
for Scalton, which our podcast member member Anthony is going to with all his family. So best of luck to the Scalies boys and coming to yourself, Ross. What's your prediction and even goal scores you want to throw them in? Um, I think it'll be a tough game. I just hope we don't be Scotland as fuck and <laughs> mess it up. But uh, <laughs> I, I think I, I, I fancy us. I, I really do. Going off uh, the Austria game, I think we're we're looking well organised. Uh, we're not we're not conceding much. Put it that way. I, I would take a, another one 0 victory. Uh, so I would like to. I would like to win, obviously, by more, but 1-0 is still three points. Uh, I, I'm going to go 1-0 Scotland uh, and John McGinn. Good shout. What about yourself, Francis? Yeah, it's just like we said the other day, it's, it's as well as recently, as Anthony said, play them more than times than Rangers are in court. So it's... it's <laughs> uh, a belter. I know. It's, it's oh. going to be a tough game because Israel aren't a bad team and they've got some of the other players, like I think it's Solomon or something that plays with Shakhtar Donetsky, just always seems to play good against us. I don't think Abad will feature. Beaton will probably play, but I don't think Abad will play. Hatel Milhamed will play probably uh, he'll, too. Uh, he'll probably play. And uh, but I, I just I hope I hope Stevie Clark plays uh, the young boy Nathan Patterson. I think just his cross balls, him and uh, Robertson could. Uh, from either side just play it into Dykes and that just get cross balls in for him as opposed to just maybe being not necessarily one dimensional going down the one side with Robertson but I think Patterson going forward could go offer us more than Stephen O'Donnell I just like Stephen O'Donnell always seems to play in the big games and doesn't really really let us down too much but his end product is, is horrendous absolutely horrendous and I just think Patterson's got got that in his locker that he can put put a great cross in that'll maybe to all, uh, make the defender struggle but I'll be positive and I'll go it'll be a nervy 2-1 I think and I'll give McGinn and Big Dykes to score one For me anyway I'll go a 1-0 victory as Ross said and I'll go Lyndon Dykes to score a penalty kick that's that's I think it. I'll go big I'll take it. Yeah, I think it'll be, it. tight. it'll be a tight game and it's one I think Scotland need to win would that be correct in saying to keep their hopes no. alive not really. If we win, it's all but we're all but guaranteed second place, really, because I think it puts us with four points with only Moldova and the Faroes to play. I think that's how it works well, out. Have, we've got Denmark to play in the, oh, the Denmark, final game I, as well, but hopefully that game becomes kind of relevant. Sort of meaningless. If we can beat Israel, then you're looking at like the next two games after that six points. So, I'd be like 12 aye. points off your last four games. You would hope that would be enough. Aye. If that's not enough, then that is just Scotland or the bar. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's fair to say everyone here at the NSL's podcast wishes Scotland all the best, but all I can say from a selfish point of view is I can't wait to see Celtic play again. It seems like <laughs> these these international breaks take forever and they come at the wrong times and when we're building up momentum and things like that. But, I've just enjoyed this one, guys. Ah, it's been good. Been good. That was. Right. I'd really enjoy it. Apart yeah. from that tackle for Franny for behind. Uh, <laughs> 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 ah, no. Apologies. No, I don't need that. Apologies. But it's been a good one, guys. And to everyone who's listening, stay well and keep safe. Heel, heel.